0: Some of us, a few of us maybe, um, have reached that stage in life where our doctors it's a, think it's a good idea for us to go for, for yearly physicals. Now, some of you don't have the, the joy of this yet, but, but you will one day, don't worry. Um, all of us, um, you know, we hear dentists saying to us, you should have your teeth checked up every, what, six or eight years, is that right? <laughs> That's what I'm working on. Six, six months, uh, six to 12 months. Uh, Those of us who wear contacts or glasses, we have to go in every year for that checkup so we can get our prescription renewed for the next year. Um, Even if you feel good, even if you're seeing okay, even if your teeth aren't falling out, uh, it's a good idea to go in for those regular checkups. Most of us are concerned about our physical health. Uh, we do this with our pets too, right? We take them to the vet every year to make sure everything's going okay uh, with our dog or cat or whatever. We take our cars in for tune-ups on a regular basis. Students, you have to meet with your advisor on a pretty regular basis to make sure that you are on track to graduate, right? Because they don't want you sticking around any longer. Than you have to. Um, we, we go in for all of these things. There are certain areas of our life that we kind of hold up to the microscope from time to time to make sure everything's okay in that area of our life. We do this in all these areas. I wanna ask the question this morning, do we ever take the time to do this um, with our spiritual life? Uh, Is there anybody that we can go into and get a checkup, so to speak, to see how we're doing spiritually? You know, we said last week, we talked during the Confession of Faith, we were talking a little bit about the subject of hell. And I I read the quote to you from C.S. Lewis who said, it's not, not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Now, for the believer in Jesus Christ, there's no longer this worry of hell that Jesus has paid for my sins on the cross, so I don't have to pay for them eternally. I've been saved, I've been born again, I've been given a new spirit, a new nature, and yet we still have these remnants of that old sinful nature. Uh, We're still, as we said in the confession this morning, inclined to to all sorts of evil and all sorts of idolatry, and that same sinful nature that was dragging us along toward hell is still very active in our hearts and in our lives. We still have remnants of Of the spiritual cancer so to speak now if you had had physically had cancer and been treated and the doctor said I want to see you every three months for the next few years to check that up we would think you were crazy if you didn't go in for those checkups but we carry these remnants of this spiritual cancer in us and how many of us go in for checkups so to speak to see how we're doing spiritually where do you even do that Where's the, where's the, where are the spiritual doctors? Uh, where are the spiritual physicians? Has God made any sort of provision for us in this area of our lives? That's what we're going to talk about today from 1 Peter. So if you would uh, follow along as I read, this is God's word. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, this is uh, your word, and there are probably some parts of this that that rub against us a little bit this morning, our own uh, independence and, and, and American individualism. But God, I pray that you'd help us to see the gift that elders are meant to be uh, to your church. I pray that you would be uh, raising up elders from among us to be our shepherds and physicians of the soul. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can tell from the text, uh, what I've been calling spiritual physicians, these physicians of the soul, uh, Peter refers to here as shepherds Uh, are elders. If you're reading through the New Testament, uh, there are several different words you might hear used to express the same office uh, in the church. Uh, Presbyter, elder, overseer, uh, bishop, these are all referring to the same office in the church. Uh, The church in the New Testament is an organism. It is organic in many ways, but it also has an organization. Uh, there, there are two offices in the New Testament church, the office of deacon and the office of elder. Uh, the office of deacon, you read in Acts chapter 6, uh, these were men who dealt with the physical needs of the church. Uh, in Acts 6, they were charged with uh, taking care of the, the, the material needs of the church when they distributed food uh, to the needy church members. They concentrated on the physical needs of to free up other members of the church for the ministry of word the ministry of the word and for prayer. Uh, Elders, as we've been talking about, are these men, this is the second office who are called to actually shepherd the flock. They're responsible for the spiritual oversight, the spiritual well-being of the members of the church. Now within this, so you got, so you're with me so far, we got, we got deacons and we got, uh, this is church government Sunday, I'm sorry um, that's just the day you came. We've got, we've, got, we've got deacons and we've got elders. Now in this class of elders, there are two types of elders we see in the New Testament. There are ruling elders and there are teaching elders. Now ruling elders are guys like Steve, uh, who've got a, a, a normal ordinary job and yet also they see part of their calling to be shepherds among the flock. Uh, and so they give oversight, spiritual oversight, to the members of the church while at the same time they have a, a full-time job. Teaching elders are those who are called as their vocation to minister the word and to pray for the flock as their occupation. So that's, that's people like me, that's people like David. These are what you all generally think of as preachers and pastors. Um, again, I'm a teaching elder. Those of you involved in RUF, David Fisk is a teaching elder. Uh, he's ordained by our denomination as a minister of the gospel, as a teaching elder. He's recognized, the church has recognized that he's called by God and gifted by God and been equipped by God to proclaim the gospel. So he comes to you on the college campus with the authority, uh, with the church, with the blessing of the church standing behind him. RUF is not just kind of David's pet ministry that he wanted to start. He's actually got the, the blessing of the church behind him. Now, generally, teaching elders pastor churches, but we've sort of recognized that the university is a unique place. Uh, it's kind of like its own little city. You know, when I, was, when I was at App State, it was interesting to me that Boone and Appalachian State had different zip codes, all right? Even though they were all kind of mixed in together, they were their own unique world. Uh, you guys all know that Wofford sometimes is referred to as the Wofford bubble because you're just sort of insulated from everybody else. And so what we've done with David and Beck and Kate is we've injected them into the bubble. Okay. All right. We've, we've sent them in there with you. we said goodbye. Have fun with that. Uh, no, but we, 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 we've sent them in there. Our denomination has sent them in there uh, to shepherd the flock uh, so David can function as a shepherd, as a spiritual physician on the college campus. Now, at this moment, Grace Presbyterian Church, because we're a church plant, we don't have our own ruling elders yet. Uh, we've got to have three before we can be a particular church. Uh, 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 right now, we've got our learner's permit. We want to get our driver's license, okay? That's, we get our driver's license and we, we get three ruling elders. And so Mount Calvary's elders give us oversight. And Steve's one of those guys. You see these guys from week to week who come up and and they function as our our ruling elders. That's what an elder is. They they shepherd the flock. Now, in order to do that, there's certain things they have to do. Uh, Elders need to know the flock, they need to feed the flock, they need to lead the flock, and they need to protect the flock. Now, I'm not gonna go into these a lot, I'm really just trying to give you an overview of these things today. Uh, But in order to know the flock, you know that elder has to, has to actually have relationships with people. If you're going to minister to people and be a spiritual physician to them, you have to know them the same way you would minister to anybody. If you're going to be able to speak accurately and helpfully into their lives, you have to have a relationship with them. Uh, elders also feed the flock. And so they teach, as I'm teaching now, or as David might lead a uh, RUF group or a, or a small group Bible study on campus, uh, elders have to lead the flock, setting the direction of the church, but also, and we're, we're going to talk about this more in a minute, setting an example for the flock. Uh, and then finally, elders have to protect the flock. Um, when you think about protecting sheep from wolves. it's part of the elder's job description. Part of that is trying to help you see the destructiveness of sin and protecting you from that in your own life. Part of that is protecting you from false teaching that comes from, from outside the church. Uh, you guys know I love to kind of to, to rip on Oprah a lot. It's kind of fun. Um, and part of that's just in fun. Part of that is she says a lot of crazy stuff uh, that, that really has saturated our culture. And we just kind of take in mindlessly. And we want to be protected from that. Um, I'll probably say stuff about Joel Osteen from time to time. These, these guys who are kind of prominent in our culture who are just saying things that aren't biblically true or accurate. I don't like doing that, but that's, that's part of an elder's job is to protect the flock from false teaching. So knowing and feeding and leading and protecting. Now, there's not going to be a quiz on that later, so just remember shepherd, okay? An elder, an elder shepherds the flock. Now, what are the, what are the qualifications to be an elder? All right, well, what do you need to have on your resume in order to be an elder? Uh, if you got a Bible with you, turn with me to 1 Timothy And I just want to, I'm not going to go through all of these, this would be a separate sermon of three or four, Um, but I want to get you thinking about this, especially uh, those of you members of Grace, we're going to, at some point we have to elect three ruling elders, and so some of us need to be thinking about, hey, is God calling me to that? And the rest of us need to be thinking about, hmm, who who would be a good person to be a, a shepherd here. So here's the, here's the things you look for. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, and Hospitable when we talk about the hospitality, that's actually a, a requirement to be an elder. you need to be hospitable. able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, just a couple of comments. Um, a, A teaching elder obviously ought to be able to teach publicly. A ruling elder doesn't necessarily have to be able to do that. There are other ways you can teach and there are other ways you can communicate truth one-on-one, smaller groups, even if standing up front might not be your thing. The other thing I just ask you to think about from that is the last thing that we usually don't think about very much. It says that this person who's going to be an elder should be thought of well by outsiders. Why do you, why do you think that matters? I'm not going to tell you. I want you to think about it. Okay, Just think about it. Why, why does it matter that this person should be thought of well by outsiders? So those are the Qualifications. That's what ought to be on the resume of someone who is seeking to be an elder. Uh, we're not looking for people who are the most successful. We're not looking for the people who are the most prominent in the eyes of the world, but we're looking for spiritual maturity. Now, some of you at this point are probably checking out on me a little bit. You're saying, this is not relevant to me. I'm not going to be an elder. I'm never going to be an elder. Um, let me say to, the, to, the, to men in particular on this, uh, college guys as well, uh, every one of us as men ought to be striving to be this type of man, to be the type of man that's, that, that Paul talks about here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I mean, how great would it be if we had a church full of men who were all qualified because of their spiritual maturity to be ruling elders? Uh, how wonderful would it be if RUF at Wofford graduated a ton of men who go on to be ruling elders in their churches. Uh, ladies, wouldn't it be wonderful if if your husband or if your future husband, if these things that describe an elder in 1 Timothy 3, if they actually describe the man that you were married to or that you were hoping to marry. So these see this is about elders, but it's not it's not just about elders. Uh, notice also that why elders are supposed to have certain Uh, a certain level of spiritual maturity. Uh, They're also, according to Peter here, supposed to take the job for the right reasons. He says, not because you have to, but because you want to. Uh, In the case of a teaching elder, not because you get paid to do it, because that's what you feel God has called you to do. Not domineering, not lording it over the flock, but being an example to them. So the example as a fellow sinner who realizes their own need, for Jesus Christ so it's who they are and what they do and kind of the the um, requirements for the job now I want to talk about a minute about how they do what they do and then it's kind of ask the question so what what does any of this really have to do with me okay how do they do what they do and I just want you to think about this with me for a minute If you've thought about this at all, uh, in most churches, your experience has probably been, if you have any idea that elders exist at all, it's probably been that they're this kind of board of directors of the church. And they make financial decisions and decisions about the building, and they decide how much the pastor gets made, and they settle disputes, and we can't decide if the carpet's going to be green or purple. You know, these are are the guys that they come in and they're like, okay, they're going to make a decision on this. Uh, They make business decisions. They might teach a Sunday school class every now and then. But Peter says they're actually supposed to be shepherding the flock. Shepherding the flock. Some of that involves teaching. And I think most of us, when we think of elders, especially teaching elders, that's the main way we think about it, right? These are these people that teach the Word of God. They preach on Sunday morning. They lead a Bible study. They teach Sunday school whatever whatever, things like that. But, but Peter says here that elders are also to be an example to the flock. That elders are to be an example to the flock. Now how is it possible for an elder to be an example to the flock if he doesn't have a relationship with the, with the flock, with the people? If they don't actually know each other? they have to actually spend time together. You have to spend time with people in order to be an example to them. And so I think this is a key part of what being an elder is that we often sort of miss out on because we're very information driven and we're very constrained by time. And so we think, okay, Justin, give me my information today. Okay, got it. Now I'm going to go do that. And that's the way we think about our relationship with elders. If I can just retain enough of the information that's being communicated by them, then I'll grow. But Peter says that elders need to set an example. Uh, I'm afraid of that because I'm a sinner and I I mess up a lot. But part of the example is you need to see your elders repenting. Um, We're afraid of this and we tend to say, and I hate this phrase, but we tend to say, don't be like me, be like Jesus. And, and I understand the truth of that, but that's not biblical. The guys in the New Testament are constantly saying something more along the lines of, imitate me as I seek to imitate Christ. So there's actually somebody in the real world, uh, somebody you can have a relationship with, that ought to be following Jesus, and you ought to be able to see that in their life. Uh, in other words, the way that we grow is not just through getting more information. The way that we grow and and deepen our walk with Christ is by seeing the Christian life lived out by others who are more mature in the faith and by coming alongside them and learning from them uh, and and growing as we're in a relationship with them. Now, elders obviously aren't the only ones who have this role, okay? But it is part of their role. Think about it like this. Uh, Let's say you said... I want to be a brain surgeon and you found a brain surgeon and you said I want to be a brain surgeon and they said fine here's the book on brain surgery I want you to read this there's three YouTube videos I just put up for my last surgery watch those three videos read the book come back in a week and I've got your first patient lined up anybody want to volunteer to be the patient okay no because that's not, that's not how we learn. Was that book important? Yeah, that was important. Was watching the videos important? Yeah, that was important. But what you really needed was to come alongside that doctor and to spend time with him and to watch him do it. And then for him to let you do a little bit of it and to gradually lets you do the whole thing. Uh, there was a study that came out recently that said that the best indicator of whether college students are going to be uh, happy and fulfilled in their careers, The best indicators of this, what do you think it was? It wasn't where they went to college. Where they went to college had nothing to do with it. The best indicator of whether they would be happy and fulfilled in their careers was one, whether they were able to do an internship in that field before heading into it, and two, whether they had teachers while they were in college who came alongside them and served as mentors. And those were the two highest indicators of whether they were gonna be happy and fulfilled in their jobs down the road. We do learn by hearing, right? Hopefully you're learning this morning as we're talking, but, but it's not, it's not enough. We learn also in the context of of rubbing shoulders and coming alongside mentors and spiritual mentors as well. RUF has this little thing, uh, we call TDOEE, which means teach, demonstrate, observe, evaluate, encourage. And basically what that's meant to be is a summary of how people learn. You do teach, but then you also want to demonstrate. You want to show people the gospel being lived out. And then you want to kind of sit back and observe how people are doing with that. You want to evaluate that. And then you encourage people in their walk with Christ. Uh, You guys need to see, uh, we all need to see, other people, and specifically here the responsibilities given to elders, you need to see elders trying to live this stuff out. Trying to, trying to walk the Christian life. Uh, you, you need to see me, you need to see David, you need to see guys like Steve uh, trying, to, trying to think biblically about how we do work. Uh, trying to, to love our wives well. Trying to love our children well. You need to see our wives trying to figure out how to put up with us. Um, How to love their husbands well? How to love their children well? What does it look like when things are going well? How do we handle prosperity? What does it look like when things are just, just going terribly, when we're dealing with suffering and hard times? What does that look like? What does it look like to actually live out the gospel and not just talk about it on Sunday morning? You guys need to see us doing that And then we as elders need to see how you're doing with that and how you're taking that all in and how you're taking the truths of the gospel and trying to flesh those out in your daily lives. And then we need to pray for you and pray with you and come alongside you and encourage you. And that doesn't really happen if our only interaction is this. If your only interaction is in a... a, teaching context. Um, One of the ways Susan and I try to facilitate this is by having people in our homes. We try to facilitate this through small groups. I try to facilitate this by meeting people for lunch or or, or for coffee. But that's actually really hard. And you guys know this is actually really hard. It's one of the hardest transitions for me from doing campus ministry uh, to to being in the the grown-up world, so to speak, uh, is making all of our schedules work because we all get really, really busy. We got kids doing this. We have commitments. And so it gets really hard to try to figure that out. And that's one of the reasons we need ruling elders. Uh, we need ruling elders who can, who can function in this capacity as well. One of my dreams for us would be, um, imagine if we had one ruling elder who was involved in every community group not necessarily leading it or hosting it, but they could, but at least involved in every community group. Let's say we had a max of, of five or six family units per community group. And that was that ruling elders flock. And I was able to say, you know what? Get to know them, pray for them, shepherd them. That that's your flock. That's your responsibility. I'm, I'm taking care of the thing as a whole. But I want you to, to pour into this group of people's lives as much as you can and shepherd them. David and Becca are trying to do this uh, at Wofford and, and Wofford students, and I'm sorry we don't have RUF at other campuses, maybe in, in Schwarzenberg, maybe we will eventually, but, but what Wofford folks, I really want you to, to take advantage of the time that you have with, with David and Becca. Um, Take advantage of any time you can to get to know the, the Fisk family as a whole. I know you don't believe me when I say this, but you have more free time now than you ever will. Okay? And some of you just went, oh, no. Um, and David's going to talk to you about why you don't have any free time. Um, but, and I'm not going to get into all that. But you should, all right? So, so quit some of the clubs you're in. That nobody cares if that's on your resume. Um, <laughs> just, just get that out of your mind. Um, drop, drop some of that stuff and, and try to get to know the fisk a little bit. Spend time with them. I mean, they're so awesome. I'm thinking about dropping some stuff and just hanging (laughs) out. Just go over to David and, and Becca's house for a while. Um, but seriously though, you have the opportunity right now, a unique opportunity in your life to get to know them and to be shepherded by somebody who, again, we've injected into the bubble for the express purpose of shepherding college students. Uh, David can't do that if his only interaction with you is just teaching. He needs a relationship with you. He needs to be able to see what's going on in your life so that he can, yes, teach, but also demonstrate uh, and encourage and evaluate and and all those things. If RUF is just one more thing you run to every week, you're not going to be able to have that kind of relationship. And honestly, um, five years, ten years from now, you're not going to remember many of his sermons. Nothing against his sermons. You're not going to remember many of mine either. Um, But you will remember the relationship that you had with their family. And there are things that you've seen in their family that are going to shape you from years to come that you're not even aware of right now. So I I just wanted to to encourage you to, to take advantage of it while you can. Now, last point. How should I respond to this? Uh, obviously, take advantage of it, Wofford students, but, but all of us, how should we respond to this? Peter says here, those of you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, he's not saying everybody who's older, you get a pass, don't worry about what the elders say. Um, uh, but he, because he says, in, in, or excuse me, it said in Hebrews, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you I think Peter singles out here those who are younger because that's the time in our life when we have kind of the hardest time with authority I think and with submitting to our authority and with kind of thinking we know everything Susan's dad used to always say to me I hope I live long enough to see you get stupid um... (laughs) And what he meant by that was your kids start out thinking, oh, daddy's so great and wise. And then they get to this point in life where they does not know anything. All right, some of you have experienced this with your kids, right? And then eventually they come back around like, oh, you really didn't know what he was talking about. Um, and he said, I hope I live long enough to see you get stupid. Um, but, but what does that mean to, to submit to your elders? To obey your elders? Uh, it doesn't mean that Steve or David or myself... Uh, Are going to call you up and say you really can't wear that today, Um, or or, you can't buy that car, or I really, you really got to drop this class, or or, or change your job, or whatever. We're not trying to micromanage your lives. It does mean that we might come alongside of you and say, "Do you really think that relationship's honoring to God? Do you really think that what you're involved in right now is pleasing to the Lord? Is that really?" is that really biblical? Is it really okay for you to be in this extended relationship with this person? To be involved in, in that way? Or, or hey, um, you know, how's your devotional life? Let me really encourage you to, are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in the Word? We're going to come alongside you with the Word of God and try to speak into your life from the Word of God. And that's that's a crazy, serious responsibility that we have that a lot of times I wish I didn't have. And I imagine David feels the same way about that. Because notice what the writer of Hebrews says, we do this as those who will give an account for what we're doing. So we, we take this very seriously. But you should take it seriously as well. Because as far as what we're saying to you comes from the scripture, if we're coming to you with the Bible and speaking into your life, then Peter is saying, you need to submit to that. You need to listen to that. You need to obey that, not because I have any inherent authority, but because the word of God has authority in your lives. And so you need to submit to the teaching of the word of God. I would say, though, um, and I think David would say this also, we're not trying to micromanage your life, and we really don't want to micromanage your life spiritually either. Um, <laughs> we got enough going on. But we do want to set an example. Uh, we do want to know you well enough so that we can speak into your lies from the Bible. Uh, we do, more than anything, want to point you to Jesus Christ. As under shepherds, we want to point you to the one Peter refers to here as the chief shepherd. We want to point you to Jesus' work on the cross. We want to come alongside you as people who realize we're sinners ourselves and in need of the grace of the gospel and come alongside you and point you to that same grace. We want you to see how much Jesus loves you. We want to see we want you to see that there was a shepherd who really was willing to give up his life for the sheep. We want you to know him. Congregation, we need to be praying about this. Um, As we go along the the steps to becoming a particular church, we need men who will do this. We need ruling elders who will do this. And so again, some of you need to be praying about whether you should do this, and all of us need to be praying that God would raise up uh, these elders from among us to shepherd the flock. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, um, we do think that you, that you have given us these um, spiritual physicians, so to speak. And God, I pray that we wouldn't wait till we're really sick to go to them. Uh, that we would get to know our our elders and and build relationships with them. and uh, God, that you would would raise up ruling elders here, Uh, that you would equip all of us who have been called to be elders to do this work of shepherding, that you would give us much humility uh, as we seek to guide the flock. Uh, God, thank you for this blessing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.